Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 331 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Erin Courtney. Erin lives in Lexington, South Carolina, where she is a chef and a cookbook author. Welcome, Erin. And I also want to say I actually have met Erin face-to-face last week. She came to the beach condo and we had, well, she, you didn't have coffee, did you, Erin? No, I was just sipping on the water. I had coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and the fun part of our connection is that Erin's mother-in-law, Nancy, taught with me in Aiken, South Carolina. I taught there for the first eight years of my teaching career, and Nancy and I traveled. We went to teaching conferences. We went on trips. She is delightful. And also, even going farther back, Erin's mother-in-law, Nancy, took dance lessons from my mother when I was like a toddler. So 
<laughs> and that that we we go way way back, don't we, Erin? Back before I can even remember, <laughs> if we go back through Nancy. But it was so nice having y'all here and, and also getting to see Nancy again. It had been so long since we had worked together. I don't think I've seen her since 1998 when I left Aiken Elementary. But that's been a long time because that's when I graduated high school. And my 25th high school reunion is this fall. Well, my son is 28. I mean, I'm sorry, 25. 98 is when he was born. My son is 25. And I had him right there when I was leaving Aiken Elementary. But anyway, it's been really fun to get to know you personally. But today I'm excited to have you share your story. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So that actually goes back to my mother-in-law, Nancy, because in June of 2020, three years ago, we were on vacation because every year we go to the beach with his family and um, we get a big beach house. And, you know, that's time where we can just kind of relax. And I'm, I'm always reading something. I love to read. And I came across intermittent fasting. I can't even remember how I came across it. But she's the one who's telling me, oh, I used to work with someone who wrote a book on intermittent fasting. And I said, really? And so she told me your name and I looked you up. And that's when I ordered the book and I joined the Facebook group. And I really started like diving in. So that week, and I, I mean, I was chomping at the bit to get the book because I was like, all right, I really want to read all about it. And this. was that Delayed on Deny at the time or had Fast Feast Repeat come out? Okay, so you started with Delayed on Deny. Yes, that was the first one that I read. You know, that week I started kind of experimenting with fasting and I was working my way up to like a 15, 16 hour fast. And I had never, ever done that because the first time I heard about intermittent fasting, I think it was about 10, 15 years ago, my friend's sister was telling me about it, but she was doing like alternate day fasting. She would go two days a week where she wouldn't eat anything. And I'm sitting there going, I don't think anybody would want to be around me if I didn't eat for a day. I mean, <laughs> well, that timing sounds about right. 10, 15 years ago, that was when the 5-2 was really popular. It was based on Krista Verity's alternate day fasting, which was literally every other day. But Michael Mosley in England had made a, a documentary about it. And he was doing 5-2. He kind of created that. Where He just said, well, I'll just do it two days a week. And that worked well for him. Yeah. <laughs> but the thought of not eating for 24 hours in a day, it just freaked me out so bad that I'm just sitting there going, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I didn't realize, you know, that you could actually do it daily. And the funny part is the first time I ended up fasting in my life, I was 15 years old. I didn't know what it was. My dad, <laughs> he was joking around with me. I'm 5'7", I'm and at the time I was 122 pounds. And he said something about me having saddlebags. Oh, I'm like, Dad, what are, <laughs> what, what are saddlebags? <laughs> what are saddlebags? And he explained to me what it was. And I just stood there and I stared at him in horror. And all I heard was the word fat. And I'm like, what? I'm fat. So my teenage hormones just freaked out, took over. Oh my gosh, I'm fat. So I started cutting calories and I started doing the three-day diets. And of course, I was not fat at all. I mean, I was 122. Yeah, at 5'7", definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> so his business partner had tried this diet where he ate anything and everything he wanted before 3 p.m. and he didn't eat anything after that. He lost like 40 or 50 pounds. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try that. And, oh, the, the stuff that I ate during the day was terrible. I mean, waffles and cereal and orange juice for breakfast and, you know, lunch. I'm getting double pizzas and double orders of French fries and 
having a Snickers and a Coke, right? You know, at 2.45 and then I go to bed hungry, but I ended up like dropping down to 114. Oh gosh, I bet you were tiny. Yeah, and the funny part was is that whenever I bought all of my jeans when I was that age, it depends, like I put on a pair of jeans and I turn around and see like how my butt looked in them. I'm sitting there going, okay, I'll get these jeans. Well, I put the jeans on, I turned around and I went, oh, it's disappearing. No, 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 no. I, I was like, I have to eat. I have to eat. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, so many things, we get all these complexes and we can trace them back to just an innocent comment, innocent comment about saddlebags. Your dad probably <laughs> had no idea what he was saying. And it's really just how we're made, you know, if we have them or whether we don't, it's, it's the shape of a woman. <laughs> I had actually hit my goal weight when I started fasting three years ago. I've been 128 pounds for three years. The reason that I had gotten down to that weight was because in 2017, I was diagnosed with three different digestive disorders, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, irritable bowel syndrome, and gastritis. And that was on top of an autoimmune disease, psoriasis. I'd had this spot on my knee that was just, it kept growing and getting bigger and bigger. And the dermatologist just said, oh, you'll have to do steroid creams or take steroids orally. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my God, is there really nothing else I can do? So in 2017, I cut out gluten because I came across a study with, you know, gluten and inflammation. I cut out gluten. My psoriasis cleared up in less than a week. I think it was like five days. I mean, that spot was completely gone. And I just sat there in shock. Like this, the only time that this spot on my knee has gone away was the two times I was pregnant. And of course, when you have an autoimmune disease, you're, that goes away whenever you're pregnant because your body can't be attacking itself when you have a baby that you're trying to grow inside of you. So the psoriasis just went completely away when you stopped with the gluten. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something. So we went to like a bakery or something and I got like a couple pieces of cake or, you know, something like that. The next morning it came back immediately came back and I was like, wow. So I cut it out again. And this time it was gone within three days and I'm sitting all right. All right. Well, this is kind of a light switch for me. So I know that gluten affects my psoriasis, but also my digestive disorders that I've been having, they cleared up drastically whenever I, you know, cut it out. And I'm not 100% gluten-free these days. I'm probably like 98% gluten-free, but it's so much easier to do it now than it was when I first cut it out in 2017. So much easier. There's so many more options, like, you know, everywhere you go, like, you know, the the place I like to go eat pizza, they've got gluten-free pizza crust. Like, you know, for a while I was like, nope. Forget it. Right. Because I was sitting there going, what am I going to eat? And a friend of mine was diagnosed with celiac 15 years ago. And she said, I mean, there was nothing. It was so hard for her. So your psoriasis cleared up immediately. And now you're not 100% gluten-free. You're about 98% gluten-free. And so you're finding that you can tolerate a little bit without the problems. A little bit. And it's on occasion as well. But three years ago when I started fasting, I was I was at my goal weight. What did you start at before, prior to fasting? What was your weight? Do you re- even remember? Yeah, it was 178. You lost 50 pounds. Yep. We don't want to skip over that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went straight from weighing 122 to being 128. That sounded pretty good. But in between there, when Nancy mentioned fasting to you on that vacation, you were overweight for your body and you didn't feel good in your own skin at that time at 178. 
Well, in 2020, I had already gotten down to the 120. Oh, okay. You lost the 50 pounds, not with intermittent fasting. Right. I lost it by changing the way that I ate. And that was a slow process. That's part of the journey of gluten-free and all of that. So you had already gotten there before you started fasting. Right. But what I noticed when I started fasting, I mean, this was like within two months. So I was 128 pounds. I was a size eight. When I started intermittent fasting, I dropped down to a size four. And I noticed it in my face. Like I've always had, you know, like this little baby double chin and that went away. And I, like my arms, you know, it started to, my arms started to tone up. I lost, most of it was in my waist and my hips because the way I'm built, you know, I'll, I'll carry some excess weight in my waist and my waist just went down significantly. And I'm just sitting there going, what in the world is going on here? Did you lose significant weight on the scale or just your body reshaped itself? My body reshaped itself. So I've weighed the exact same for the past three years since I started intermittent fasting. That is huge. Everybody listen up. <laughs> if Erin was only focusing on the scale number, she would say, well, this didn't work at all. I started at 128. I still weigh 128. Nothing's happened. But what's happened is you started at a size eight. Now you're a size four. Your waist is reshaped. Your body is toned up. Your body recomposition has changed. You've lost fat and been able to build muscle. All of the good stuff. Right. And my digestive issues. I mean, that has been the biggest improvement that I have seen with fasting. And anytime I overeat or eat, you know, go out and have some fried foods or have a cocktail or something like that, the best thing I can do for my body is to fast after that. And I don't fast for long periods of time. So when I first started fasting, I would do daily for 16 to 18 hours. And that worked really well for two years until I started endurance training. I started running. I started like last year I did two triathlons and which is the swim, the bike, the run. And once I started getting into the training, my body's like, no, 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 <laughs> you need more. So now I fast daily anywhere from 13 to 15 on average sometimes more, sometimes less. And like you and I were talking about last week with the uppish and downish days, that really depends on where I am in my cycle, how much I worked out the day before. Like, you know, there are so many things that fall into that that determine how much I eat in one day. What's fabulous is you've learned to listen to your body and you realized that the amount of fuel your body needed for endurance work that you were doing with your triathlons was not the same as your body before that. And, you know, you're slim, you're lean, you don't have like a ton of excess fat to, to fuel your body. You need to, to feed it. <laughs> and now I will say, so I'm experimenting more with fasting for some of these races, because that's one thing that I'm trying to figure out, like, how far can I go on a fasted run? Now, a 5k, I do so much better if I'm fasted for a 5k. So when we were at the beach last week, my husband and I did a 5K, but this one was at 6.30 in the evening. So I had been like, I'd had breakfast and lunch and snack before we went and did this. And both he and I had the same problem. Our legs just felt so heavy. So running a 5K after eating, you did not feel 
No. (laughs) The last race that I did before that, which was two weeks prior, was a duathlon. It was a one mile run, a nine mile bike ride, and then a two mile run. And I did that completely fasted and I felt like I made it through the whole thing. And the 5K that I had done before that, I felt so light and springy that it was a personal best time. So you did a personal best running in the fasted state. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. And that's what blows my mind. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, like, okay, well, how far can I go with this? And I would love to talk to other people that have more experience because I'm only a year in and I can't wait to see like what the future holds. And of course, with menopause approaching and like how my body is going to change. So I've learned to listen to my body more than anything over the years. That is so key. Your body is going to communicate to you when it needs more fuel. And you've got to be willing to listen because some people are so afraid to eat more. Like they're like, well, I've been fasting for 16, 18 hours now for two years and I, this works for me. And I'm if I start to eat more, I'm just going to gain a lot of weight and I don't know what to do. But why am I so hungry? I'm like, listen to your body. And also you listen around your cycle as well. You know, certain times of the month, you're a little hungrier. Your body tells you that and you listen. It's one of those where... I'll get so hungry at some point that I'm convinced if someone stood in my way of the kitchen, I'd probably eat them too. I mean, it's just my appetite just skyrockets and I'm like, move, get out of my way. I'm going to eat all the things. Well, but the key is that you listen to it and you don't try to force it down. Because so often, if we've grown up as dieters, right? And, you know, it sounds like you you didn't really. You were not like a long-time dieter all the time like so many people. Or were you? I don't know. You're looking like maybe you were. But yeah, for those of us that um, were, we learned how to like... <laughs> 
you know, space out our 1,200 calories over the course of the day and ignore the hunger signals. But <laughs> as fast as we can learn to trust them. Right. And I actually do have a lot of experience with so many different diets because, oh my gosh, I've done vegan, vegetarian, keto, paleo, Weight Watchers, calorie counting. I mean, I've done so many different diets over the years. And this has been, with the intermittent fasting, this has just been the most flexible, the most realistic, the most life changing. You know, this is a lifestyle that I can adopt. And I love the flexibility. Let's talk about, you know, going back in time. I know we went back as far as 2017 when you were diagnosed with those three digestive diseases and you realized that gluten made your psoriasis flare up. Was that when you were around 178 when all that was going on? At that point, I had lost a, just a little bit. So my son was born in 2015. My daughter was born in 2010, and my son was born in 2015. And I gained 40 pounds with both of those pregnancies. And both times when I had gotten pregnant, I was already overweight. And not like super overweight, but I was, I was overweight. And I ended up wearing, after my daughter was born in 2010, I didn't start losing the baby weight until she was about two and a half. I was wearing maternity clothes with a toddler and I was stealing my husband's t-shirts and he's like, stop stealing my t-shirts. I've been looking for, I'm like, well, I'll wash them. You know, this is okay. Right. But I just didn't, I couldn't bring myself to going to the store to buying bigger clothes because I'm sitting there going, no, I'm in a size 14 now. I can't go up any higher than this. And, you know, I was just so determined that I'm going to get back to being healthy. I'm going to get back to where I was before. So it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. And is that when you started to like really search for the diet that was going to get you there? Yes. I just knew, like you talked about, you and I have a similar story in that, you know, I've literally eaten all the ways as well. You know, some of mine were a little weirder than yours because I'm a little older, like the Suzanne Summers way and you know, all the things like that. And I never really did paleo because I was already, you know, <laughs> I didn't need to. I was already past that. But it, it always seemed like the answer was going to be in what I was eating. Like that's where the magic was. It has to be the what. If I just could find the magic way of, of what, the weight will fall right off. But I can eat as much as I want. That never was true. <laughs> Right. I could overeat (laughs) vegan. I could overeat keto. I could overeat anything. Right. Right. I mean, you can overeat anything and still have issues from it. I mean, that's (laughs) one diet that I actually learned from. And that's the thing. It's I take what I need from each diet. I'll learn different information from each thing. What works best for me? What doesn't work best for me? The blood type diet. Are you familiar with that one? I did that one over the years. Yeah, yeah. I'm type A. And so I was following all those type A lists, which for me, I'm that tends to be sort of vegetarian. What What's your blood type? Oh, okay. So that says meat. <laughs> right, right. So more, <laughs> more, more paleo. And I will tell you, so one of the things with the type O that I learned, it was we are more likely to have issues with gluten and dairy, which I know I have more issues with gluten and dairy. And I also thrive on a heavier protein because when I don't get enough protein, I don't feel nearly as strong, but I certainly can't cut carbs either. (laughs) I get it. And see that I disclaimer, I do not think it's as simple as blood type, right? (laughs) 
you know, I definitely don't. There's so much more to our bioindividuality than just what your blood type is. But, you know, blood type is related to our genetics. And we know our bioindividuality is related to our genetics. So I think the guy was on to something. I don't know if it's quite as simple as what is your blood type. But I do like to talk about it because it's fascinating. So many people that are type O do tend to have that higher need for protein. Whereas me, type A, I literally could be completely happy with just like bean protein, you know, protein from vegetables. I don't need meat. Meat makes me sluggish and tired. Right. My dad is type A and we have teased him for years because he loves beans. He sings the bean song, the musical fruit. <laughs> so, But my mom and I are both type O and she and I have similar digestive issues and things like that. Like she's also sensitive to gluten and to dairy. I have to be picky with my alcohol consumption. I can't have much alcohol. I just, you know, it's, it's kind of like a occasional type, you know, here for me. And um, last week when we were at the beach, I enjoyed a couple of my ties, like thoroughly enjoyed them. They were wonderful, <laughs> but that's not something that I can take in every day. And it also affects my sleep and then my workouts the next day. It's just... There are so many factors that come into play. So with you, you need to have your protein from meat. Do you feel better when you have meat protein? Is that true? Yes and no. So I try to incorporate more plant-based proteins as well. So I do eat beans. I love those black bean browns. So good. Yep. Y'all, Erin made me a whole like tray of goodies and I am <laughs> sharing them with Chad. <laughs> But the, I had one of those pumpkin muffins this morning for breakfast. So good. But yeah, I'm, I'm, we're like taking some. I put it all in the freezer, like you said, and I'm taking one out and saving them. We're splitting it. I'm letting it thaw out. And then he gets half and I get half. And <laughs> that's working out. But yeah, black bean brownies. You know, I don't like food that pretends to be other food as a rule in general. But black bean brownies, to me, taste better than regular brownies. Yeah. And you, I think one thing that people don't realize is that when you start to change your habits, your palate changes with it. You know, it's like there are so many times I've heard somebody say, oh, I couldn't eat that. I'm like, well, you could. You're just not used to it yet. You know, that's like saying I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow and I've never run a mile in my life. It's something that you have to work your way up to. And food is very much like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I will tell you the reason that I love hiding healthy foods in different foods is because I'm around so many picky eaters that they'll say, oh, I don't like black beans. I don't like cauliflower. I don't like zucchini. I think one of my favorite stories, I made these double chocolate muffins and my neighbor's daughter, she was coming over and staying with us during the summer when my kids were out of school. And so I made these muffins and I'm like, okay, I've got some chocolate muffins I need for y'all to try. And it sounded like stampeding buffalo coming down the stairs. They're like, oh, we want to try it. So I give them all, you know, a big muffin. And <laughs> so my neighbor's daughter, she eats it all. And I mean, she's licking her fingers and she's like, that was good. And I was like, really? Okay. Okay. And then a few minutes later, I said, hey, do you like zucchini? She gave me this look. She goes, ew, no, I hate zucchini. And I said, are you sure about that? And she just kind of side-eyed me. And she said, what are you tell? Why are you asking me that? What are you talking about? I started cackling. I said, because you just ate some zucchini in that chocolate muffin and you didn't even know it. 
and her jaw just dropped. I mean, I'm laughing hysterically. Do you remember the Jessica Seinfeld book that was like, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like the whole point of that book was hiding foods. Yeah. Remember that when I got that when the boys were little, but (laughs) they wouldn't eat anything. I have a book called Sneaky Chef, and that's what she does in it. And my brother doesn't eat any vegetables either. And I made some mashed potatoes and I pureed some cauliflower and put it in there. I was like, here, you want to try these mashed potatoes? He was like, yeah, sure. So I took them over there and dropped them off. And then he texted me a little while later and he said, these are the best mashed potatoes I've ever had. I said, are you sure? Are you sure about that? But it had potatoes and cauliflower. It was half cauliflower, half potatoes. Maybe that's the key. Because if you make it 100% cauliflower, you ain't fooling anybody. Right, right. (laughs) Well, I don't know. You're not fooling me, but. (laughs) And when he said that, I responded and I said, they're half cauliflower. And he goes, never mind. I'll take it back. And I said, no, 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 no. We have it on text. We have proof here. You can't deny it now. That's so funny. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, I have like a mental problem with cauliflower ever since back when I was doing keto and I tried to make those keto mashed potato, but they were really cauliflower. They were by Swarba. And like they stunk up the house so much that no one would eat them. And I was like, but they're just like potatoes. And then I was like, no, they're not. They're not. And ever since then, I'm like, forget it. (laughs) Well, and I experimented with all these different keto recipes when I was working in that keto bakery. There were some really incredible foods that my boss had come up with that were keto. And it was just so funny. You know, people would take a bite and be like, this is keto? Really? But of course, I mean, it had a lot a lot of dairy, a lot of dairy, and a lot of fat. So I didn't do well with that. So you do better without as much fat? Yeah, yes. me too. And when it comes to fat, you know, it's like I do really well with nuts and seeds and, you know, olive oil, things like that. So it's, the, of course, the healthy fats. When we were at the beach last week, I ate some hush puppies. Uh, where'd y'all go have those hush puppies? At Drunken Jack's. Okay. I've never been there. That's at Merle's Inlet Marsh Walk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever eaten it, Drunken Jacks. Now I'm trying to remember. I think I haven't. They have good hush puppies. Oh, they're amazing. And they serve them with honey butter, too. And um, because we're sitting there at the table and I hadn't eaten any gluten all week and I'm staring at them. And I was like, I really, really, really want those. Do I have my digestive enzymes in my purse? Yes, I do. I'm going to eat some hush puppies. So I ate some hush puppies took my digestive enzymes and I did fine. Like I didn't have any issues. And that's, that's why it's so great that I can have things like this every once in a while. But when I've made the mistake of going back to eating them all the time, that's when I really start to have problems. Well, you know, you're ish, you know, you have figured out that you can have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And as long as you crowd it out with the good stuff, most of the time that you're okay. That I think that's the balance we're looking for. I'm not good at saying, I will never have XYZ ever again, ever. Right. I'm not either. Because if you tell me I can't have it, I'm going to be like, I want it even exactly. more. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm delaying alcohol right now. And But if I said to myself, I can never have a glass of wine ever again, I'll like, I'd be like thinking about it all the time. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I'm just not having it right now. That's okay. <laughs> and one of the, you know, because a lot of times people will say to me, oh, well, I like food too much to do intermittent fasting. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm a chef, right? That's the reason why I do intermittent fasting, because I like food so much. So that's like the worst reason to think someone can't do it. They like food too much because you never have as much food freedom as you have with intermittent fasting. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's um, my, my life literally revolves around food because if I'm not making food, I'm researching recipes and writing cookbooks and, you know, putting all this stuff together. I mean, it's and the brainstorming that goes along with it. My brain doesn't shut off. So I'm always thinking about food. And now that I know as much as I do about nutrition, it's I'm interweaving the two of them. And I, I just understand so much more of it now than I ever did before. OK, so you went through a phase where you tried keto and worked at a keto bakery and that that didn't work well for your body. And I know that a lot of the treats that you brought were vegan slash vegetarian, but you're not a vegan slash vegetarian. No, you just shy away from dairy personally for the most part. Yes, I shy away from dairy for the most part. I've had ocular migraines since I was 12. And two of the biggest factors food-wise that affect that are gluten and dairy. And I went to, I had like a, it wasn't a sinus infection, but I had a cold. So I had, you know, sinus congestion and it was allergy season. We had gone to a little sandwich shop where they have gluten-free bread. And I was like, okay, I'll get a a gluten-free sandwich. It was a bunch of teenagers working. So I ordered my gluten-free bread. She said it was gluten-free, brought it out. You know, here's your gluten-free sandwich. And I'm looking at the bread going, that doesn't look like the gluten-free bread that they use. And um, my husband looked at it and he said, that looks like the bread that I get for my sandwich. And I was like, I mean, she said gluten-free and, you know, I specified, you know, I'm sitting here trusting that, you know, (laughs) that these employees are getting it right. And so I take a bite and I'm chewing it. And I was like, no, this is, you know, it's, it's too good to be true to be, (laughs) to be gluten-free. I was like, all right, well, you know, I messed up. I ate this entire sandwich and it had cheese on it. And then the sauce that I dipped it in had dairy in it. So we left and the next morning I started to lose my vision and I was like, oh no, I haven't had an ocular migraine in two years. So that's, I'm just sitting there going, well, it's the perfect combination. I was, I had a cold, I had sinus congestion. It was, you know, allergy season. And then I took in gluten and dairy on top of all that. So for me, you know, whenever I do have those now, it's like the perfect storm, basically. You have cleanish, right? Yes. Because I signed your copy of Cleanish when you were here. So in Cleanish, I talk about this, the, the bucket effect. And this is just a perfect example of the bucket effect in action. You know, the analogy is we think of your your toxic load or your load in general as a bucket. And, you know, when your bucket is only halfway full, more can go in and you're fine. But when your bucket gets to the top, anything else goes in and it's spilling over. So your bucket was already pretty close to the top because you were fighting off a cold and it was allergy season. And so you were already right there. And then you put in the gluten and you put in the dairy and you put it all in. And so your bucket just overflowed. And then it comes out in whatever symptom we personally experienced. For you, it was the ocular migraine. For someone else, it might be sneezing. It could be, you know, whatever your body does in retaliation to your bucket overflowing. But you definitely felt it. You know, had it not been allergy season, had you not been fighting off a cold, had she not given you the wrong bread, maybe a little dairy, you'd have been okay. But it was just too much all at one time. And then, of course, you know, eating a sandwich. I mean, bread flour, I know as working as a pastry chef, bread flour has the, it's a high, high amount of gluten. So if I'm going to have gluten, if I really want to overload it, <laughs> that would be, you know, regular bread. So, and I ate a whole sandwich like that. My husband's sitting there going, well, why did you eat the whole sandwich? I was like, 
well, I was hungry and I was already eating it and I was just going to take digestive enzymes. And you know, so it was just like, a, oh, I paid the price the next day. Well, you know, so much of, of what you're describing does go back to gut health. You know, you mentioned that you had those three digestive disorders, the, the SIBO, the IBS, the gastritis, and our gut health just affects the rest of us. I mean, like, like everything about us, like health begins in the gut. So you had an unhealthy gut and you've been working to heal it ever since. Yes. And fasting has helped so much, so much. So anytime I've ever had any sort of digestive issues, bloating, anything, it's like the immediate fix for me is to do a fast. And I mean, literally every single time, it just, it makes a huge difference. I wake up the next morning and my stomach is flat and I feel good and I don't feel bloated at all. And it's like, all right, I'm starting fresh. That has just been one of the biggest things for me, you know, giving my digestive system that break to heal and everything. And that's when I'll typically do a longer fast as well. And of course, a longer fast for me is like 16 hours. So I think the longest I've ever fasted was 20 hours, but that was before I started training. That just with all the working out that you do, that would just be more than your body would feel comfortable with. But I'm still open to, you know, the future. Like, because I still, with the training, that's a year old. And now that I'm basically approaching perimenopause, (laughs) I'm curious to see how my body will change and what needs that I'll have. But one of the things that I appreciate more than anything now is that I'm in touch with my body. I actually know I can read it. I can understand it. I know more of what's going on now than I ever have before. You know, it's ignorance is bliss, but not when you're sick. <laughs> so you have no fear about it. That's the part that really shines through. You're like, all right, body, whatever you're going to do, I'm going to figure it out along the way. And I went through, you know, a good bit of depression because food has just been, I've been an emotional eater my whole life. So when I would look at something and say, I, I can't eat that, I can't eat that because I'm just going to feel bad. And I realized I'm looking at this at the wrong way. So it's not that I do have a choice. I can eat that food if I want to be sick. I can eat around the clock if I want to be sick, but I don't want to be sick. I want to feel good. And so that's the choice that I make. Whereas, you know, someone will say, oh, I wish I had your willpower. And I'm like, it's not about willpower. It's reframing it in your mind, and it's always a decision, and it's about choosing the outcome that you prefer. You know, do you want to eat the thing that's going to make you feel bad, and then you're going to feel bad, and that that's going to happen? Or do you want to feel good later and not eat the thing that makes you feel bad, and you get to decide? But I could see how that would lead to depression. Because, you know, like I said, if I thought I could never have XYZ ever again, you know, I would be like, oh. <laughs> And when I changed my diet in 2017, I was working as a pastry chef, a traditional pastry chef. With all the gluten and all the dairy and butter and everything. And I specialized in cheesecakes. I mean, I have an entire cookbook that's nothing but cheesecake recipes. Yep, I have a copy of it. It's over there on the shelf right behind me. (laughs) I mean, I'm actually in the process of writing a gluten-free cookbook right now that's going to have over 500 recipes, and that'll be done by the end of the summer. Tell us a little bit about your cookbooks, where people can find them. Because as a cookbook author, you are Erin, E-R-I-N-K, Courtney. Make sure to look for the K and your cookbooks are all on Amazon. 
Yes. So I started because I didn't know how to cook growing up. But so it's funny because my husband is not a foodie whatsoever. So he married someone that didn't know how to cook. It wasn't a big deal. And then when my daughter was a year old, I went to a cake decorating class with my sister-in-law and that just spiraled completely out of control. I was like, oh my gosh. It's like art, art. Right. And that was the first time I'd ever baked a cake. And this was in 2011 the first time I baked a cake and started doing that. So then two years later, I enrolled in culinary school at the University of South Carolina, went through that program. But then I'm sitting there going, okay, these recipes have like 20 ingredients. And I went from making hamburger helper to (laughs) making all these things from scratch. It's like, there's gotta be a middle road. And that's where my cookbook started to develop because I'm just sitting there going that let's improvise here. Let's make something that's homemade that doesn't require 20 ingredients. And so those, all of my original cookbooks are those, you know, regular recipes that are not gluten-free. And, you know, I, I had such a positive response from people that have used the recipes, but now I'm just sitting there going, well, there's only uh, a handful of things in these books that I can use to make for me. So how about I take all of these recipes and convert them and combine them and put them into one book that are gluten-free because I mean, I'll have one recipe, say pumpkin muffins. Those are true. I can make them traditional. I can make them keto. I can make them gluten-free. I can make them plant-based, vegan. I mean, it's, there are so many different ways that I can make them now from my experience with taking recipes and just kind of conforming them. It's been really fun to do You got the science in you too. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. So you're like a blend of scientist and artist. That's the way I look at it. You're a creative type, but you've got the left brain and the right brain going. Oh, my brain doesn't stop, so that wouldn't surprise (laughs) me at all. Because you you really you really are putting it all together. You've got the science of 
you know, I can make a pumpkin muffin that's keto, low fat, low carb, plant-based, whatever. I can make it out of cauliflower. No, <laughs> probably not, but maybe you could. Um, actually, I did make some coffee cake muffins using pureed cauliflower and nobody knew. <laughs> so do you actually make things for people, like somebody who's like, well, I've got an, a son with an egg allergy. Can you make his birthday cake? Do you do things like that locally? I do take special orders. So I've, I've got a few friends of mine that are vegan. So everything that I make for them are vegan and gluten-free. Of course, I still have sugar. When it comes to, it depends on the severe food allergy. So if someone is anaphylactic to nuts, I don't make anything for them because I eat a lot of nuts and my kitchen is full of nuts. And there's like I can't guarantee that there's no chance of cross-contamination there. And the same with gluten, because I still have some gluten ingredients in my house. So for someone that has celiac disease, I'll let them know. I'll say, yeah, I mean, I've everything that I make is gluten-free, but my kitchen is not 100%. That makes sense. So someone who really has to be 100% and careful, they have to figure it out, go elsewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, and because, you know, like I said, my kitchen is just not 100% allergy free. So I would rather play on the precautionary end of that. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So tell us about some of your cookbooks. Like what are some of the titles? What are some of the themes of them? So the first one was party time and that's all appetizers, like hot appetizers, cold appetizers, beverages, which are both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. And then there's a lot of desserts in that one. There's over 200 recipes in that book. And then what's for dinner was the second. That's the one that I've gotten the most positive feedback on. People just love the what's for dinner because that is that combination of home cooked meals for, you know, breakfast, lunch, sandwiches, salads, dinner, dessert. But they're going to be easy. You don't have 20 ingredients. I think that's what people are looking for. That's why I love, you know, like the green chefs of the world, because I don't have time to go to the grocery store and buy a million ingredients. I need it to be simple and they just show up at my house. But not everybody, you know, if you've got a family, you know, maybe, you know, you, that isn't going to work for you. So, you know, something like your What's for Dinner cookbook could help somebody figure out what's for dinner. <laughs> right. And then freezer pleasers, that, that's all like pre-made meals that you can pack in the freezer. And that's breakfast and muffins. I used to make muffins for this local coffee shop. And I mean, people absolutely loved them. <laughs> they had no idea that these muffins were made with cake mix. They were doctored cake mix recipes. And the funny thing is that I realized I can make all of those same recipes using gluten-free cake mix <laughs> to make gluten-free version. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just like, you know, a whole nother level here. But it's a lot of those are casserole style and it's side dishes. There's an entire chapter of no churn homemade ice cream. So I went from, I think it was like two base recipes to over 60 variations in one chapter and then like brownies and things like that. So, but then the, the cheesecake cookbook, that's the one that sells most on Amazon. You know, it's, it's a specialty niche. So it, those are New York style cheesecakes and it's over 75 recipes because I, I made cheesecakes for a local restaurant. You know, I would switch up the flavors like every week it would be a different flavor. And, um, you know, people were, were excited to go see, all right, what's written on the board up top? What does what Chef Aaron make, you know, this week? So I really enjoyed doing that too. And so, but now you're working on adapting the recipes that are tried and true to make them gluten-free. And so you think the gluten-free cookbook will be out this fall? 
It'll definitely be out by the end of August at the latest. Okay, well, your episode comes out on August 3rd, so everybody can be knowing that this is going to be coming up soon. More and more people are are needing to eat gluten-free or finding that they feel better when they're gluten-free. And then, of course, the intermittent fasting journal that I've put together that you inspired me to do. I love that. But, you know, creators got to create, right? Yes. And it's my husband doesn't understand because he's like super hyper focused on one thing at a time. And I've got 32 tabs open at any given moment. And he, you know, I, I can multitask. And of course, I'll walk into one room taking something from one place going into another. And then I'll get distracted and start working on something else. And I'm like, wait a second. I was working on that. What What am I doing? And here? I literally have 32 tabs open on my computer and also multiple windows. Well, and look, in my defense, you need to have multiple windows because I use Google Chrome for everything because really things don't work unless you're on Google Chrome. I guess the internet is hard, but Google Chrome, but I, I want to be in signed in on this profile, on this one, on this one, on the other. So I got, you know, all these personal Google personalities that each need their own window. So I always have to look through them to find where I am. I get it. So tell us about some of your non-scale victories as an intermittent faster. The biggest ones have been my digestive healing. So I remember it was a year and a half ago at Christmas. It was the worst Christmas I've ever had. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital in the middle of the night. I thought my gallbladder was about to rupture. I was in so much pain and I couldn't sleep for, you know, more than an hour at a time. And, but I kept, you know, I'd wake up and I'm just sitting there going, am I going to have to go to the hospital? And this is when there were uh, a whole lot of COVID cases in the hospitals. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, if I go in with something like this, I'm going to be put on the back burner. You know, if they think it's my gallbladder, the pain was just so severe And the next day I was just like, that was when I kind of fallen off the wagon with fasting. I had only gotten down to like a 12 hour fast a day. And this was before I started training. So I just started slipping off of that. That window creep happened. Window creep is real, everybody. (laughs) Yes, the window (laughs) creep is real. And um, the next day I was just like, I've got to get on top of this. I, I don't want to have my gallbladder removed. I don't want to have, and I went to the doctor and um, they did an abdominal ultrasound to make sure everything was okay. And I immediately started fasting just right after that. It took a couple days to really start to feel better, but I've noticed anytime that is fasting is my go-to. Anytime I feel sick in any way, especially digestively, I don't know if that's a word, digest. Well, we all know what that means. <laughs> I just made it up. But that's what is the quick fix for me. And I told my husband, I was like, you know, intermittent fasting is almost like overnight liposuction, if you kind of think about well, it. Well, you're sucking out the fat, right? Right. You go to bed and you got a big old bloated tummy and I'm feeling like I'm four months pregnant and I go to bed and I'm like flat stomach. (laughs) That's so interesting because I have not ever had the gut bloating. Knock on wood. I don't have that. I mean, I'm not going to say that my gut never changes. You know, like if I eat a big meal, I might be a little tight around the waist before I go to bed. But I don't have that bloating that people talk about where it like looks like you're pregnant and then it goes away. And I've seen photos people share of like, this is what it looks like. And literally it looks like a pregnant belly. Yeah. And I've, I've had that happen to me a few times and fasting is the overnight cure. Cause you need the digestive rest and it has to do with what's happening in your gut. Like, you know, your gut microbiome is producing all these, whatever gases or whatever it's blowing up. 
<laughs> you're inflated. It's like literally you're inflated. And I have leaky gut. So I'm, I'm in the process of trying to heal that as well. And that and fasting has been such a huge help. And um, that's what I would I would like to see where I can get as far as the fasting going a little bit longer with my training sessions and everything. My I've overcome emotional eating with fasting big time. That has been such a huge, huge thing for me. That is huge because that, that's what we hear a lot of times that people struggle with. They can physically do the fasting, right? Physically, but emotionally, it's a different thing because we eat for so many more reasons other than physical hunger. So what have you done that has, or what do you think really helped you overcome that emotional eating? Setting boundaries. So I do well with healthy boundaries, basically. So if I cut off my window, I'm done eating by six o'clock at night. I used to go to the freezer and maybe get some ice cream or get a handful of nuts or something like that at nine o'clock. Not because I was hungry, but because I just wanted to eat something, you know, chocolate bar or anything like that. And um, once I started fasting, it's just like, no, your window is closed. And my husband would tease me because I would clap my hands and say, window closed for the day. And um, he's like, window closed till tomorrow. So that's been like a really good, all right, I know that I'm going to eat between this time and this time. And I love numbers. So (laughs) if it's 6.01, I'm waiting until 8.01 the next day if I'm fasting 14 hours. Or that's just really, really helped with the emotional eating because I've been so bad about eating, wanting to eat whenever I'm not hungry. And the funny thing is that I was diagnosed with hypoglycemia in my mid-20s. And I was told by my doctor then, I have a different doctor. I was told by my doctor then then, that I was always have to carry peanuts, crackers, peanut butter, you know, something like that in my purse because of my low blood sugar. And I was eating six to seven times a day. And I didn't need, you know, now I'm just sitting there going, wow, if only I could talk to that doctor again. Well, you know what is also interesting? I'm wearing my NutriSense CGM right now. I got it right there on my arm. What I thought was how I was feeling when my blood sugar was crashing isn't necessarily how I, well, like, that's not really, like, sometimes it'd be like, oh, I feel a little weird. My blood sugar must be going down and I'll, like, scan it. I'm like, well, no, I'm not. My blood sugar is not going down. I don't know what this is then. (laughs) Well, and I realized um, after my husband and I did the Cooper River Bridge Run in April, it's a 10K. I had, like, a little snack that I'd eaten afterwards. But then whenever lunchtime came, it was chaos trying to get out of there. There's 28,000 people that do this race. We were having a hard time getting back to the hotel, getting all of our stuff. So we ended up eating lunch way later than what I was used to. I thought my blood sugar was dropping. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. What am I going to do? Like, But then it magically went away. And I'm sitting there going, oh, okay. So this whole hunger thing. Well, that's what I've noticed. My body just pulls out some glycogen from my liver or whatever, and I'm fine. And it's fascinating to watch on the CGM, to see it in action. And what I think might be going on is not necessarily what's going on. I actually feel my best when my blood sugar is like in the 70s. That's how I feel my best. And I did want to mention, you know, talking about doctors, my doctor now, the reason I switched to him is because my brother knows that I'm really into nutrition. And he said, oh, you need to go see... You need to switch to this doctor that I'm using. It was in the same family practice. And uh, he said, he's really into nutrition. So I went in there and I just brought up fasting to him one day. Man, he is a huge, huge, huge fan of intermittent fasting. He does OMAD. He is just 
I mean, once you get him started on fasting and nutrition and he's recommended books to me and, you know, it's like if I if I want to talk to my doctor, all I got to do is bring up fasting, nutrition. <laughs> there are doctors who understand. That's the thing. There are amazing doctors out there who are big fans of intermittent fasting and do it themselves. So if your doctor's like fasting, don't do that. Just keep looking. Find a different doctor. I think we deserve a doctor that supports what we want to do because they're out there. They definitely are. So is there anything that you struggle with? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes that emotional eating will creep back in. Sometimes I want to eat when I know that I really don't need to. And I'm sitting there. It's like the devil and the angel on my side. It's like the devil's going, come on, you know, you want to open your window. And the angel's going, no, no, no. You're really not hungry yet. You can wait. You can wait. I don't know if that's where willpower comes in or the boundaries come in. That's where I call it, you know, there's some discipline in there. You got to have the discipline in there with the fasting. I struggle with that regularly. And some days, more days I don't give in than I do give in. But it does happen. And that's what, you know, I just... I can't stress this enough to the people that aren't familiar with fasting or, you know, haven't done it yet. Just try it. And that is just one of the things because it, it's like I said earlier, your palate changes whenever you change the way that you eat. And when you eat, once you get used to going that long, it's easy. I mean, the 16 hour daily fast that I was doing before had gotten to where it was really easy. It's just about like like I always say, you tweak it till it's easy, right? You find what works for you. And what I love about your story is that it illustrates that we need to change what we're doing in response to other things that change. You can't say, well, I always did this before and now that's not working. Well, okay, what are the variables? Okay, you're training. You're doing a lot of endurance activity. We got new variables, so we have to tweak what we're doing again. So, you know, going through menopause, like you talked about, that is another variable. So often people will get really, really panicked because they're like, I've been maintaining for five years now and now I'm going through menopause and suddenly my weight is steadily climbing. Did fasting stop working? Have I ruined my metabolism? We're like, no, it's not that at all. It's that you've got a different set of things going on in your body now. We have to respond to those changing things. And that that it's both as simple as complicated as that, right? Well, I mean, I used to eat Twinkies for breakfast when I was 18 and it didn't bother me then. Well, <laughs> your body changes. Absolutely. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say to people starting out, be consistent and be patient because your health didn't deteriorate overnight. You didn't gain weight overnight. The body is very resilient, but it does take time and effort. And if you tell yourself you can't do something, you're already determining the outcome. So focus on changing your mindset to develop a more positive, open-minded perspective for future success. So very true. So how can people find you in your cookbooks? Tell them again. On Amazon, Erin K. Courtney. I also have a website, chefarinskitchen.com. And Erin is E-R-I-N. Yes. And I also have a YouTube channel, Chef Erin's Kitchen. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for sharing your story today. Well, thank you for having me today, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. 
Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.